welcome to Jobs Outside the Box, a podcast that shares stories of creative self-starters who have veered off traditional career paths to pursue work they love. I'm Tanya Birch, an author and a consultant on a mission to inspire you to think outside of the box about your own career. Today's interview is with a young woman, Emily Siegel, who is in her mid-20s and is ambitiously pursuing a new startup venture. She graduated with a bachelor's degree in chemical engineering and biological sciences from the University of Pittsburgh in late 2019, right before the COVID pandemic forced shutdowns throughout the United States. Through a big idea competition in college, she won $25,000 for her idea. This strong validation allowed Emily to move forward in pursuing her idea and making her company, Trek Gum, a reality. I'm excited to speak to Emily today because this is my first interview focused on this generation of adults, adults who are living in a very different world than those in the generation I grew up in, um, one where the social media and the digital world was not quite as present as it is today. It's also a time for all of us to reassess what really matters because every single one of us has experienced changes and uncertainty affected by this global pandemic over the last 14 months or so. I'm happy Emily's taking the time to share her story with us and her thought process as it relates to her ideal job and what's important to her in a career. So with that, Emily, thank you and welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm super excited. I'd like to jump right into it today because I think you have a lot of exciting things going on. Can you share with our listeners what your job is, what you're doing today? Yeah, so right now I I run a startup company. It's it's currently called Trek Gum. We've been toggling with some name choices, but right now it's Trek Gum. Um, And we make plastic-free chewing gum. I learned while I was in school that over 95% of gum is actually made of plastic. Um, which is really gross, not only for the consumer, but it's also horrible for the planet. And I was like, wow, okay, so we have a gum problem. And at the same time, um, we started out because I I was learning a lot of people my age weren't brushing their teeth. And I was like, oh, I'm going to make a gum that cleans teeth. And that's kind of how this all started. So now we just make functional gums. We put all these additives, whether it be, you know, a caffeinated gum or a CBD infused gum, we can put all these different ingredients into plastic free gum. So it benefits people's lives in a convenient way without hurting the planet. And as you're pursuing this entrepreneurial job, I imagine there's lots of tasks you're doing that you never imagined doing before and um, challenges that you're running into on a day-to-day basis. Through research and preparing for this interview with you, I was reading up on the other publications you're featured in, such as the Pittsburgh Business Times and in the California Dental Association Journal. And I saw in one of those that you ran into issues with manufacturing the gum, for example, with getting a manufacturer to take you on. Can you talk to some of those challenges? What were the frustrations and other challenges you've experienced so far that you didn't expect? It's a great question. Yeah, I would say that's that's one of the hard things about being young and doing this is that I went straight from college to being in charge of every single thing that happens mm-hmm. in a business. Um, and so manufacturing, that's not something that was in my chemi curriculum um, or my bio curriculum. And so that was was definitely a challenge. And so with manufacturing, I didn't realize how niche it was to make gum and all the specific pieces of machinery you needed and all the different ways that sugar can be created. And so there are all these little minute things that I was having to, you know, research on my own or, or learn on the fly. 
And, and manufacturing is hard because so many places in the U.S. only want to make plastic chewing gum. Mm. And so it was really challenging in the beginning and, and even now to, to find people who would, you know, look at me and be like, hey, I see potential there. Let's try making this gum you want to make. Um, and I've, I've recently identified that, which has been really exciting. It took about, I want to say, six to seven months to actually find that manufacturer. Okay. Um, and I believe we found one that's a good fit. That's great. And continuing down that path, let's talk more to those challenges and just to those everyday tasks that you weren't expecting. Um, last time I interviewed Jenny Bingham, who works for a nonprofit in California um, to help empower young women. And she was talking about her previous jobs when she worked for global PR and beauty firms and the idea of this glamour versus grit of what she expected. So I think in every job, there's some type of grit involved. And uh, I'd love to hear more about what you're experiencing as an entrepreneur. Definitely. Yeah. So one of the one of the first challenges I had was obviously, you know, if I couldn't find a manufacturer, I was like, I might have to build my own gum factory. <laughs> and at the time I was 24 and I was like, what am I doing? And so I was you know, researching all these places that sold machinery in, 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 you know, the United States, but also across the whole world. And I'm, you know, trying to understand, oh, well, this mixer does this and I need this amount of horsepower. And I was like, what the heck am I doing? Like, I don't know. You just really don't know. And I think that's the beauty of a startup. You don't know anything you're doing. Nobody knows what they're doing and you just do it anyway. And you just figure it out as you go. And so that's been a, a really weird thing that I'm, you know, learning how to, to do, but it's, it's been a, a great experience. And like some of the weird things, you know, beyond that, like, I think networking and meeting people like I, again, I'm, I'm pretty young, and I'm having meetings now with these C level executives at these big, you know, brands that I, I use personally, and I'm like, you invented that, like, hi, nice to meet you. And so just like trying to learn how to be a professional when you're so young, and, you know, also, you know, it's it's a balance of wanting to represent your brand and be this fun young brand, but you have to be an adult when you meet people. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's been been a time and, and packaging, learning about how they break down and the chemical components of, you know, the most sustainable packaging, like just a bunch of random stuff that they don't teach you in school that you learn on the fly. Right. And then how, like, how did those connections happen? So was some of that through those competitions that you won or you know, how was your, like, what was your research process for like reaching out to those connections and those other people? Yeah, that's a really good question. I would say in the beginning, definitely the competitions helped. And so at, at Pitt, we have a couple of different competitions for, for the startup community there, and it's really growing right now. And so Pitt's Big Idea Center hosts um, what's called the Randall Family Big Idea Competition. And it's one of the biggest competitions on the East Coast. Top prize is $25,000. Um, and I, I luckily I, I won that competition that gave me a lot of press and a lot of eyes that were on me and what I was working on. Mm-hmm. And so I, I ended up doing an accelerator in Pittsburgh and, and that helped with a lot of, of networking. It was called Alpha Lab Gear. And, and they just were like, hey, this person runs this or this person has experience in this. Go talk to them. And I've just really begun to learn the value of, of networking. Um, one of my, my mentors, Don Morrison, he was you know one of the first CEOs at American Eagle and he is just very, very encouraging of, of networking because you never know when you might need someone and, and what what they do, who they know. You just you never know. And so just always be friendly to people, meet people, start networking because, you know, everyone is connected in that community. 
podcasts and then a lot of LinkedIn. I feel like I've had random people message me on LinkedIn or I've, you know, creeped on companies that I aspire my brand to be like someday. And I'm like, Hey, like I don't usually, you know, message strangers on, on like LinkedIn or Instagram, but I think what you're doing is great. Like, could we have a chat? And sometimes just reaching out like that never happens for some of those C-level people. And so they're shocked when some young person is like, Hey, I love what you do. Can we have a phone call? So through those LinkedIn messages of people you're not connected with, people are actually responding back to you, right? Almost all of them, which is like blew my mind. You always like think of these people as, you know, like gods, but they're just like so cool and look so big and mighty. And then you send them a simple message like, hey, you're doing some cool stuff. Can we chat? And they're like, oh, yeah, of course. I love hearing that. And that's such an interesting topic for me, too. In fact, I was just talking about this during my last interview with Jenny um, about the power of LinkedIn. And part of it was we were talking about how old we were because LinkedIn didn't exist um, when we first got out of college. But uh, it was also the idea that, you know, people will be helpful if you reach out and you explain what you're doing and you want some advice or informational interviews. It's also really nice to hear positive updates like that, especially what are we right now? I'm about 14 months into this global COVID pandemic, where obviously there's lots of negative news out there. I think that might even encourage people more to reach out to strangers because you're locked in for such a long time. And then you get a Mm. message from a new person that wants to chat. Like I would be all about that. And then once you hear back from them and you set up a time to connect with them, how do you prepare for that? How do you figure out like, well, what questions do I even want to ask them? Yeah, that's... I mean, right now, one of our biggest focuses is like on marketing. And so I've been trying to talk to as many marketing people as I can. And some of the questions I asked them, you know, it was like, hey, if you were starting a brand from scratch, like what's the first three things you do? Mm-hmm. And I just try to make it very open-ended and see what they find important. Because usually, you know, I, I don't know what's important. I don't know what the biggest, best things for my, you know, what I should be doing, what they are. And so when I have these experienced people who've been branding for 20, 30 years, and they're like, oh, I do this first, and then I look for this, and then we do this. That, you know, teaches me kind of best practice of what's happening in the industry that I know nothing about. And so then I can learn from them that way. And let's jump back now for a second, because I would love to hear about your journey to get to the spot. So while in college, for example, how did you decide what you were going to major in? Yeah, so I I did go to Pitt. I started out, I wanted to be a doctor. And so I knew Pittsburgh had tons of hospitals and it was really well connected with UPMC. And so I had never been to Pittsburgh before, but I was like, hey, that looks like a really good school for what I want to do. And so I I started studying biology and around my junior year of college there, I experienced the loss of like five individuals of like friends and family members within that year and dealing with that. And then an internship in the ER that just freaked me out. I I quickly realized being a doctor was not actually what I wanted to do. Mm. And so going into my senior year, I had switched to chemical engineering um, just because I, I love sustainability and I saw a lot of pathways for having a chem E degree. And uh, yeah, that's that's kind of my track. I studied both bio and chemi there. Thank you. That's really cool. I love getting insight into that thought process for people and as to how they determine their major, how they determine their job. And let's go back even further. So as a child, what were your interests? Did you have a dream job? So I think super young. I mean, I I think every child wanted to be a vet vet at some point. And so I was like, oh, I love animals. I'm going to be a vet. Um, And then I feel like that 
sort of moved to an interior designer at one point because I loved watching HGTV, but I'm learning, you know, now with my career, I'm, I'm not the design person. So I'm glad I didn't go into that. <laughs> right. Um, mm. um, so a little bit all over the place with what I was interested in. And what kinds of other jobs have you had throughout the course of your life so far? So maybe in college or throughout high school, for example? I always joke around with this because I, I feel like what I'm doing right now is my first real person job. I've always found a way to find jobs that were not normal. Like all of my friends in high school, you know, they go work at the grocery store. Mm-hmm. They had these, you know, nine to five jobs during the summer that they were doing. And I was pool sitting for the doctor up the street and he would pay me to water flowers and to play in his pool to make it look like people were home. And mm-hmm. so I was always just finding weird ways to make money that weren't typical. Like I remember in, in high school, like I would I would go buy candy really cheap at this one like knockoff grocery store. And then I would go and sell it to my high school friends right before lunch. And I was making money to let me go on, you know, little trips, mm-hmm. like mission trips with church and stuff. So just always finding little random jobs. And then when I got to college, you know, it wasn't as, as easy. And so I, I was working in, in research labs and I was doing, um, worked in two different labs while in school. And so I always just found random jobs. I never really had a, a classic nine to five, which I, I kind of like that about my life and how that's going. I feel like that can be very rigid and I'm always, a uh, you know, let's try the random weird thing type of right. person. So it's been working out. That's a great segue into this next question I usually ask, which is the type of work environment you feel you work best in. Um, I'm assuming for you, that's not sitting in an office or in a cubicle. It's not at all. And what's really weird is I think, I think mentally, I wish I had a job that was more structured. And then I know like my personality type is I would never survive in a structured Mm -hmm. environment like that. And so anything that lets me like be my own boss. I just never wanted to be spending my whole life working for somebody else's dream. I think, you know, individuals have their own, you know, ambitions and what they want to achieve in life and what's important to them. And I, I kind of hate how we as a society kind of stop them from wanting to do those dreams because, you know, you have to live, you have to work this nine to five, you have to make money and do this and this. And they kind of like plan your life out for you. And I just, I didn't want to do that. And what are the best and most exciting parts about your current work environment? And what are the scariest parts? Having a startup company allows you to have, you know, the flexible schedule. If I want to drive home to see my mom on a Wednesday, I can do that. And then I'll just work at nighttime. And so that's been really beautiful. I like that I can help reduce plastics. That's something that I really care about. And so if I can get rid of some plastic chewing gum in the market, like that's great for me. Um, Some things that really terrify me right now, the fact I'm almost turning 26 uh, means I no longer have my parents health insurance so that's been a new fear for <laughs> yeah, Emily just very big um, right yeah the times I wish I lived in Europe and had that universal health care mm-hmm. um, definitely kicking in right now and then I think this is something a lot of people don't think about and I'm slowly realizing it because I don't have a normal person job where I'm making you know like have a, a paycheck for example it's kind of challenging to build credit And so like when I want to rent an apartment or I want to get a car, like I still need my parents to co-sign for me, even though Mm. I'm an adult, just because I don't have, you know, the standard paycheck that's coming in. 
And then I, I think the biggest fear on top of all of those is, is a little bit of FOMO, you know, the fear of missing out. Like I'm watching all of my friends right now. They all graduated. They're getting their big person jobs. They're buying cars. <laughs> they get their mm. first house and I'm making gum in my apartment. So it's been a, a weird, you know, navigation. There. Makes sense. I'm sure uh, it takes just some pep talks to yourself on a day-to-day basis about what the end objective is uh, for your business. What kinds of jobs could you see yourself doing if you wouldn't be doing this or if you would still be an entrepreneur maybe, but in a different capacity? So I, I know you know this, but I, I love craft beer. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think I'm definitely a minority here, but I, I waited till I was 21 to drink, which I feel like nobody does these days. And so because of that, I think I appreciated beer a lot more when I started drinking it. Mm. And I, you know, I, I play music, so I'm a little creative and I like the creativity that goes into craft beer and it's kind of an art and there's cooking and there's just, there's tons of science in brewing. And so I, my dream job before doing Trek was to open a sustainable brewery. Mm -hmm. Um, And so like I took an engineering and craft brewery course at Pitt which they just started. And we, you know, for quizzes had blind flights and we would taste the flight samples and try to figure out what was what style and who made it. And I was just so, you know, infatuated with, <laughs> with this career that I, I wanted to have like a sustainable brewing brand and make it really nerdy, teach mm-hmm. people about the chemistry of beer, what was going on, how it was made. Um, so that's definitely, that's still in the back burner. I, I think you know, I'm hoping the stuff with Trek Gum goes really well, and I would use any money I make from that to to open my own sustainable brewery. It's mm-hmm. definitely a passion. Of mine. Well, you know, probably some of the stuff you're learning, even in terms of the manufacturing side, even though the equipment's different, but like mm-hmm. you said, you researched a lot of the equipment and suppliers' equipment. I mean, some of that is very relevant in a different capacity for a brewery, also. A hundred percent, and like that's you know my my chemi background comes into that too. Um, mm-hmm. but, basically brewing is all chemical engineering, just figuring out how to convert your sugars and, and what's happening. And, and so it's a, a great overlap. Yeah, that's yeah. A, something that, yeah, we'll talk more about outside this podcast anytime you want to. <laughs> I want to know that uh, my husband and I have been in that field now and have learned a lot. I mean, I think at one point before we went into it, um, we did talk about starting our own brewery. And I was surprised also with everything that's involved and the equipment costs and the different canning lines and packaging lines and the space you need and, mm-hmm. um, and all of that. But we, I'm glad we kind of went slightly different direction, which wasn't opening our own place, but just understanding everything that's involved in all those operations. Yeah, uh, everything looks so easy, I think, from the outside looking in. Like when I told people I was making gum and I won my first pitch competition, which at, at that point it was just an idea, you know, kids are coming up to me the next week being like, where's your gum at? And I was like, what? And like, you think you would think gum is as easy to make as like cookies, right? That there's a recipe. But when there's such a monopoly in the gum space and nobody's teaching you how to make anything, it becomes so much more complex than, than it looks from the outside. So brewing, I think is definitely in that same category mm-hmm. of it looks just simple to make beer, but there's so much that goes into it. Yeah. And going back now to Trek Gum, can you give me a glimpse as to your current work week, like your hours and how you plan for those work weeks? Yeah. So I try to make my Mondays and Tuesdays, like my email heavy days. And I try to, you know, Monday morning, I will look at my, my schedule for the week and all the emails that came in over the weekend or on Friday. 
and I, I figure out who I need to respond to and what drastically needs to be done that week. And I, I kind of work them in chronological order of what I think is most important or else needs a response really quickly. Um, and then I have some standard meetings throughout the week with my mentors um, who, who've been really great. I mentioned Don um, Pitt has, has a, a program where they have, they call them EIRs, Entrepreneurs in Residency. Um, and they help, you know, give us a lot of skills and teach us a lot about entrepreneurship um, and so I have those standard meetings. I spend a lot of time right now um, we're fundraising. And so I've been exploring AngelList and some other places, um, making spreadsheets of, you know, who I would want to raise money from, what types of things they invest mm. in, what their check sizes are. Um, and then right now we're also working with this co-manufacturer. So getting together, you know, our ingredients and our recipe list and, and trying to figure all that out. So I would say it, it changes, honestly, week by week. The only things that are steady for me are I'm going to email people Monday and Tuesday. I'm going <laughs> to okay. have, you know, these three or four standard meetings through the week. But everything is is always changing, which is you know super fun. Right. And I'm assuming there's probably like a you could almost divide it into like a percentage of time amongst big higher activities too, right? So like maybe Definitely. like say 30% part of this next week is going to be devoted to fundraising and another mm-hmm. 30% of meetings and um, another 20%, whatever it might be with manufacturing. And I know that day by day right now, you're constantly learning as you go through this process. Uh, but what I want to know is, do you have any advice for others out there, whether they're in college or school now, or just those who want to go into running their own startup company um, as to what kinds of research they could do now to prepare for that? Yes, that's great. Um, I would say two things. One, I would say maybe maybe start a part-time job or regular job first to have just that cash coming in that way you know you can at least pay your rent and Mm. your utilities and to have food. I think that was something that at the beginning was... I just had this connotation that like, if you weren't doing this full time, hundred percent of the time, like you weren't actually doing it. I think that's such a stigma that a lot of people in the entrepreneurial space have. It's, it's slowly dying away, which is good um, mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, like you do need to feed yourself and to have a roof over your head to be a good CEO. And like, if you're struggling and you're not getting, you know, enough nutrients in your system, you're not going to be the best you. And so I think that's a stigma that people should, should get over. And so definitely make sure you're, you're meeting your basic needs. And then number two, if you're really into entrepreneurship, like I mentioned, a lot of colleges are forming these entrepreneurial centers and Mm -hmm. they're not, I mean, some of them are just for alumni and current students, but a lot of them are open to community members and will teach you, will help you get into their, you know, startup ecosystem of where you're at. And and they want to see, you know, small businesses form in their area. So they're more than willing to help you. But I would say that the biggest thing is definitely when, when you think of entrepreneurship, you want to make sure that you are solving a problem that exists. I think a big thing that happens is someone just wants to make something and fix a problem that's not really there. And so talking to your customers is really, really important. And it's definitely challenging to do during COVID. Um, but there are some creative ways that, that you can still reach out to people and, and make sure that you're solving a problem that actually exists. Mm. So that would be a, a big thing for me. And if if I could suggest any book to an entrepreneur out there, it would be um, how to Win Friends and Influence People by, by Dale Carnegie. It was suggested to me by one of the mentors at Alpha Lab Gear. And it it does a great job not just teaching you about business, but about just human nature and people and how people work um, and how people like to be talked to and, and treated, which is really important as an entrepreneur. Because at the end of the day, 
you're always going to be the salesperson for whatever you're making. Even if you have a sales team, like you're the face of what's going on. And so at the end of the day, everybody just wants to be loved and appreciated and felt, you know, that they're important. And if you can get that across to your customer and you're like, Hey, I care about you. You care about the planet. Let's make this thing together. People get more excited about what you're working on, what you're doing. So Mm -hmm. I would just make everything you do people centric and customer centric. That's really good advice. Thank you. And I think that it does apply in lots of various industries, whether you're, um, you know, especially being an entrepreneur, but in, in any capacity, you know, being a salesperson. Definitely. Too. Definitely. And we're almost at the end of our interview here. Is there anything else you want to share with our listeners today? I guess like I, I definitely just, I would want to encourage people that, that, you know, life, life can be short. And so like when I, I referenced my junior year of college and I lost all those people in my life, some mm-hmm. of them were my age, some of them were in their seventies. And I think the one that hit me the most, which was the, the fifth one um, was a, a boy I went to college with. He actually fell off the roof of my house during a party my neighbors were throwing oh gosh. and he passed away next to my room during finals week. Um, and he was my same age. He was studying the same major as me. And I was like, oh my God, like I better be doing something that I actually care about because Mm -hmm. that, you know, thank God was not me, but like, you never know when your time's coming. And Mm -hmm. I, I hate when people have this mindset, like you, you had mentioned earlier of, you know, I'm going to, you know, make all this money and someday it'll pay off, or I'm going to work really hard right now and, you know, struggle through life for the next 20 years because when I'm 60, I'll have this retirement. And I think that can be touched like such a toxic way of living because you, you don't know if you'll be 60. Mm-hmm. And so I think finding a fine balance of like really being passionate, even if you're working a nine to five, make sure it's something you like. Mm-hmm. Like I, it drives me crazy when people are like, oh, I have to go to work or all oh, this sucks. I hate my boss. I hate it. Like, then why are you doing it? Yeah, I agree with you. Complaining is not the answer by any means. And that being said, I know I'm lucky um, to have financial support, emotional support and other otherwise from lots of people in my life from my family and my husband and there's others who aren't that lucky but I do believe that regardless of the situation you're in you can always set a plan you can write down that plan you can form steps yourself and you can set your own timelines of how to get to that next path and get to that next job that's going to make you happy a hundred percent. And yeah. And even to touch on that, like I, I know right now, like I speak from a, a place of privilege because I was able to go to college and then to win that competition gave me the funds to be able to do this full time. Mm-hmm. And like, I know a lot of people, you know, potentially listening to this don't have that same experience as I do. And so that's not to say that you can also eventually do what you're passionate about. Definitely, you know, work the nine to five you have to right now. Like, mm-hmm. obviously you, you need to put food on the table and survive, but you know, have a plan of how you, you know, envision your life, have like a one year plan, a three year plan, a five year plan of like, here's where I want to be. This is what I'm passionate about. Here are my skills. If I want to be here in five years, what do I need to do or figure out or meet or learn to get me there? And I think that can help bring a lot of people to, to finding joy in their everyday work. And that brings us to the end of today's interview. I want to say thanks to you, Emily, for sharing your story with us. Any, any time, if anyone ever wants to connect on LinkedIn, you can find me and, and Trek Gum. If you like what you're hearing today, I encourage you to check out my other interviews if you haven't yet. This is my fourth episode. There are three more before this. 
Um, Also, I include any script notes from each of the interviews on my website. That's www.tanyabirch.com. There, I'll also link up information to Emily's website for her company, Trek Gum. And stay tuned for my next episode, where we'll talk about the craft beverage industry. I'll interview Lindsay Dorier, who's a senior brand manager at Bold Rock Hard Cider, and we'll talk about his journey into that industry. Cheers, and thank you so much for listening.